Hey, everybody. You know, Steve and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and a whole lot longer than that as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, to heal betrayal trauma, and to reclaim your relationship. And we've gone ahead and poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you guys have done on your journey for healing and recovery, we guarantee you have never done anything like this. You know, we've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. Please don't reinvent the wheel. Guys, come on, let's get real. Tomorrow never really comes. Don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSC podcast. We got a question and description of a situation from a PBSC listener, a partner, that's actually more common than a lot of people would suppose. And you'll notice from the title, because of trauma from my addict partner, I'm seeing the world through his hypersexualized lens. Mm. And <clears throat> this was a this was a great uh uh, question and scenario that was submitted. And so we wanted to take some time to really address this. So let me paraphrase kind of what uh, she described her situation, but then I want to get into her question. So she's been in a relationship with her partner for a uh, number of years and his sexual addiction came to light, um, you know, different sort of relationships he's had, he had with people outside the you know, the, their relationship and different things with girls and scanning and, you know, all of the things that go on. <clears throat> and all of this came to light. And of course, you can imagine how incredibly difficult this was for her. Uh, but they started to do some work, started to listen to these podcasts for about the last uh, three months or so. And then she says along the way, something happened um, with her, for her, to her, however you want to say it. <laughs> And here's how she describes it. She says, I feel like I now understand to maybe an uncomfortable degree what's going on in his head when we're in public and an attractive girl is nearby. Y'all talk about <clears throat> scanning a room in quotes, but now I feel like I'm the one scanning, right? Mm -hmm. So she's saying this is the partner. I obsessively scan every environment looking for the girls I know he'll view that way. And then I become crippled with anxiety when I see one. After that, I'm full of resentment that this is how I exist in the world now. 
I can't even run basic errands, and it happens whether he's with me or not. I feel like I can't stop viewing the world around me through his eyes. What does it matter if I'm attractive if he finds everyone else more attractive? How do I grow myself so that I don't keep viewing the world through this lens? I am an otherwise very confident person who knows who they are. His obsession with other girls is crippling for me. And as much as I can understand this addiction or understand its roots, I cannot seem to get past this. I have a personal therapist and I'm working on building back my self-confidence, but it seems like I'm hitting a wall when it comes to shutting out off this part of my brain that views the world through his quote, hypersexualized lens. Thank you so much for any guidance you can provide. He and I are both so grateful for the work y'all do. You truly discuss this topic in a way that no one else does, and it really resonates. Your authenticity is palpable. Thank you. Well, that's a uh, that is quite the submission. And <laughs> first is. of all, yeah, we appreciate the compliments. Mm. It's very kind of you. We're glad that you're finding the podcast helpful, and uh, definitely, uh, you know, it's, it, it, she was really descriptive in, in in her message, and I really appreciate it, and could kind of put myself in that just place a little bit of you know the insecurity and reeling from this recent betrayal that's only, you know, several months in, in the making as far as her journey and it goes and, you know, being in that place of insecurity and uh, that, you know, this hypervigilance that she refers to, she talks about, you know, seeing, seeing the world through his lens is so common with spouses in different forms, you know, that we work with. And, and it is absolutely heartbreaking and, and very understandable. Um, you know, there's this toxic with, with betrayal comes this really toxic cocktail of a number of different factors, right. That really impact the psyche. And, you know, if we were just to dial into a few of them, first of all, you have this complete loss of trust, right. With this complete amount, this, this mounting evidence that says among whatever else it says, he's not choosing me, right. He's not, he's not choosing me. He's choosing someone else something else other people right other i thought i was i thought i was the one chosen and i'm not and no matter what i do i'm never going to be able to compete with all of that or all of them yeah that element of competition comes in for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. yep and so there there are a lot of factors that play a role in this and obviously these podcasts are fairly brief but we're going to do our best to try to address some of these things and, and, and give this listener some things to consider and some, some things to kind of bring to bear as we, as, as you navigate this journey. Uh, the first thing we, we applaud you for having a therapist, a personal therapist. I think that that's great. I hope that it's, we hope that it's somebody who specializes in, in betrayal trauma specifically, if at all possible. Um, and so there's a very good chance you may have already discussed some of this with them, but if you have not yet, uh, one of the best ways to utilize a therapist right out the gate when you're dealing with something like this is, I mean, I guess this is just the term I use for it. There's probably others, but um, you really want to use that therapist and leverage them to the best of your ability in terms of uh, t- taking you through kind of a trauma mapping, right? Examining uh, the different facets of trauma and what that's looked like for you. Um, you know, there's, we talk on the program occasionally about simple versus complex trauma, right? And the big difference between those being, Simple trauma usually is characterized around a specific type of trauma, you know, betrayal in this case, that's kind of an isolated event where we've never experienced this kind of a trauma before, at least not, not on a significant enough level, quote unquote, for the brain. 
And there's there's a whole set of dynamics that come with with simple trauma. I guess you could say pros and cons, quote unquote, for better or worse, uh, that that you need to be aware of versus complex trauma, uh, which oftentimes develops when there's you know the brain identifies kind of a longstanding pattern in some way, shape, or form of betrayal, whether it's you know a long history with male romantic or non-romantic people in your life or maybe betrayal or neglect or different forms of abuse sexual or or other types of of abuse um as a past that can also play a role in and can dictate a lot of what's going on in the brain kind of in these early stages and so uh we won't go into that a ton today we talk a lot about that on other podcasts we'd refer that for you to other episodes for that but um, you want to understand the enemy the best that you can and the obstacles you're up against. And, and sometimes with therapists, it's hopefully that's where you guys began. It's not uncommon to oftentimes just jump right into treatment without taking the time to look at that. So definitely something you want to spend some time on. Uh, as, well, as and that's super important because if you don't look at the, at the simple and complex trauma history, it can become very confusing about why am I overreacting to my partner's, you know, behaviors? Why am I why am I overwhelmed with these obsessive thoughts? And where are these start, triggers coming from? And, yeah, where do they know? come from? Why am I so weak? Why am I so disturbed? And you can become overwhelmed by taking too much on yourself, not realizing that this trauma history is playing a huge role and that this situation with your partner is just simply a triggering event. But there's a whole yeah. lot more going on here. Yep. Different types of trauma will elicit different types of responses in different situations. And so... Mapping that out as much as you can really puts you, I think, in the driver's seat of leveraging therapy sessions and just your own recovery, you know, in, in kind of the best, most efficient way possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah so let's let's go beyond that. Yeah, let's jump in. And, you know, Steve, you and I, we talked about this beforehand, but one of the things that a lot of people would not assume in this kind of a discussion, they'd go right to solutions for this spouse or partner. And how, sure. how she could handle this. But you know what? For, for you and me is in the work that we do and for ourselves in recovery, the first place we got to start is with her partner's side of the street on this. What is he doing to provide yeah. a safe and recovering environment, which is a top priority in how to manage this in a healthy way for her? So yeah. let's talk about his side of the street on this for a minute. Yeah. And I think this is so important to talk about, you know, his versus her side, because this is oftentimes where I see, I I would say maybe even some, at least in the early stages, kind of a majority of the conflict between spouses where it comes from, you know, falling betrayal is, is we have a really, obviously the, the spouse, the, the addict partner or the betrayer, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, the perpetrator. I had a client call it the other day. That sounds very <laughs> criminalistic, but I didn't have a better term to correct him with. So, um, but whatever the case may be, right? That e even though they may bear the the either the majority or in many cases the exclusive responsibility of bringing this betrayal in, as we so often talk about on here, while he he can and needs to own everything that he is responsible for as far as fixing and healing from it understanding very clearly his role in that versus your role in that will help you to avoid epic amounts of unnecessary conflict um, over, you know, which pieces to own versus which pieces to not. Because unfortunately, excuse me, unfortunately, the justice side of this does not line up um, with, with the reality side of this. Um, there are pieces to this that 
only you can fix. But there are also likewise pieces that he does need to take responsibility for. And one of those is creating an environment for your healing to be optimal, right? You are the one who has to do the healing. As the one who has been betrayed, only you can truly be in the driver's seat for that healing to happen. But that does not abdicate a partner in any way from responsibility in owning the fact that their their job is 100% providing the optimal growth medium, I guess you could say, for your healing to occur in. And there are a lot of pieces uh, tied to that. Um, the submission doesn't say specifically. We know that the 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 this uh, partner uh, wrote in and said that she does have a uh, she has a therapist, which is great. But it, you know, is he engaged in the therapy process? Is he working on him? Um, as far as her healing goes, uh, him working on him working on him is is helpful indirectly because. You know, so many of us addicts, we struggle with many things, but one of those being, especially in the early stages, accountability, right? And even an understanding of the significant level of impact of what's going on. So um, a therapist or somebody and others, to be fair, can play a role in this, but a therapist is a great point for providing some of that context and helping to develop out, among other skills, right, this ability just to empathize, mm -hmm. connect with your pain, right, to be able to even lean in with that pain to be able to hear you really hear where you're coming from and what is really going on for you. It's no secret that addicts really struggle majority of the time with uh, the, their capacity to even connect with their own emotions, much less with those of other people in a healthy way. And so developing out that skill set is huge. Um, along with uh, another big one would be transparency. Right, being willing to own his behaviors and tendencies again that ties in with the therapy piece. Being able to recognize and and own on a consistent level, you know, this is this is where I'm at. This is a full accounting of what's gone on, um, and creating and and being responsible and being proactive in the driver's seat in terms of, you know, creating a an accountability process for the partner, right? In terms of what behaviors are going on when and how that look, how that's looking today. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, guys will become very frustrated with this process when they see that their, their partners or their spouses are, you know, obviously overwhelmed by these obsessive thoughts. You know, what is he looking at? What is he doing? Where are his eyes going? Right. And, and all of this is going on. Uh, guys can become very, very frustrated by that and feel helpless. I, how can I fix this? I can't control what she's thinking, right? And they miss this whole point of, are you as the guy being proactive in your recovery efforts? Are you yes. leading out? Uh, for example, if, if this whole being in public uh, space is a, a big issue, do you have a plan as a guy in recovery for going into public? Do you share it with your partner? Hey, we're, we're going to go to the mall later today. Here's my plan for me and for you to be safe. Yeah. You share it with her and you go over it so that she knows what that you're proactively leading out in this process. And then when you're in that public space, you can continue to touch base, talk about how it's going and talk about what you're doing, right? This whole just being proactive and leading out, you know, I love a term you use, Steve, does he go out in front of her and bushwhack, right, in the recovery yeah. process? Like they're in the jungle, this jungle of recovery and healing. And instead of hanging back and waiting for her to remind him or call him out or apply pressure, does he 
walk out in front of her and start whacking away at that jungle to clear the path ahead of them. Yeah. Very big part of this. No, absolutely. Well, and, and there are so, and there are other pieces to this as well, right? Having a 12 step group, being able to connect with other guys in the process who have, who have been involved in betrayal and hearing their stories, hearing where they're at in the recovery and in their recovery process, what does that look like for them? Uh, are all having a place to vent and to open up and practice skills like being vulnerable and opening up about feelings is just so, so critical for the addicts that we work with. Um, and, and there are lots of other pieces and wouldn't it be great if there were a spot or a place <laughs> where all where, those pieces came together, all of them. Yeah. The, uh, the cheers theme song comes to mind, right? <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where <laughs> there is such a place where those things are provided. Um, most of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while are familiar with our uh, by this point are familiar with our dare to connect program, which has been active for about a year and a half. If you like what you hear here on the podcast, may we humbly, but not so humbly suggest that if you like the content here, you will love the dare to connect program. Currently the, the, the price for that is, is one ninety five a month, which includes over 12 hours of content every single, well, it's now it's far more than that. Actually. Um, it's like, 15, 15 hours of content every single month uh, for addicts, spouses, and partners. We have groups on Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, and Fridays for each of those demographics, as well as now brand new addict and partner support, 12-step in integrated, professionally facilitated, curated groups on the weekends, on Sundays. Um, we've, we, we continue to evolve Dare to Connect into as much as it possibly can being a one-stop shop for recovery. Um, to be able to hear, to be heard, to connect, to get professional uh, input and support uh, at the same time, enjoying the benefits and convenience of anonymity, um, uh, convenience of accessing the con that's, that sort of content anywhere and being able to do it at a price that basically is essentially the cost of a therapy session, at least. In, and yeah. for some, many of you, less than that. Um, and that 15 hours of, of you know, monthly well, is that, yeah, I guess it, yeah. Is that, it is, I lost track it, of how it's, yeah, six, the, it's 16 hours. Yeah. It's actually. more like 16 hours a month. Yeah. And that is actually with us, with me and Steve. Correct. Live. It's not just recorded content in a video library. It's us. No, you can interact with us, ask us questions, get answers. This week we're doing open mic week. And so it's essentially ask whatever questions you've got that are lingering and, 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 and hanging out in recovery. Um, you know, this, uh, it was interesting this last week, actually, we had on the program, we have a lot of guest speakers now and are doing a lot of things to kind of change the game that way. And Mark's wife actually came on the program this last week and we had a, one of our addict partners who actually was, spoke really powerful about how he, he communicated to us during one of the groups about how impactful hearing her story and her perspective of her and Mark's recovery history, uh, how, how much that help to instill this sense of empathy and being able to connect um, in new ways, right. With, with his wife's pain and what she is going through. And anyway, we could just say yeah. endless amounts of stuff about the good things happening there, but please come do check that out. If you haven't already come, come join us in, 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 in the group. You, you'll be glad you did. We are so confident in it. We are offering a two week free, no obligation trial with that right now. You can find that at dare to connect now.com. Um, come over, see what it's all about and see how we are changing the world of recovery 
uh, with the first of its kind on the planet program. Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, so there, there are obviously lots of things that, that have to be done on his side of the street, but it is also important equally to be able to divvy up and recognize the other side, right? Uh, her side of the street when it comes to her own healing, right? Because there's accountability on both sides, both sides. And those have to be met if we're going to make this happen efficiently and address this, this, uh, hyper, hyper arousal when, when she is out and about, um, and so, I mean, there's a lot to own there. I've been talking a lot. Mark, you want to lead us into that? Yeah, let's kind of, let's kind of, uh, talk real quick about her side of the street. One of the, one of the key things that we cannot say hi, you know, more strongly is she must have her own support system separate from him. Absolutely. Right. She cannot look to him for her stability, for her peace of mind, for, you know, not, not being overwhelmed by all these different kinds of thoughts. She needs to have a support system that's outside of him. And so that include, you know, a group support, a therapist, um, you know, a, a sponsor in 12 step and uh, all of those things come coming together at dare to connect. Yes. So that support system that she can lean on regardless of where he is or isn't in any given moment. The other one I think is crazy important is being able to get into the place where she can learn how to clearly state her needs. Here's what I need from you in these public spaces or, or with whatever it is. It, it could be if they're at a movie or they're watching television or they're wherever, or she knows that he works in an office space where women are present. Here's what I need from you. And then being able to set and enforce very clear, healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that's, that's a, that's an art form. It's a skill that you learn because we're not accustomed to setting those, those clear boundaries and enforcing them. We often don't know how, and we're often not very good at stating our needs. Yes. Right. We wait until the needs haven't been met. And then, and then too often that can, can all come gushing out in anger or, you know, those kinds of things, instead of being able to, to clearly communicate what I need from you. That's a very important part of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, and those internal boundaries, if we kind of dial in, because I know we're running out of time here, um, but before we get into kind of the coupleship side of things, specifically addressing this issue of like the hypersexual arousal, right? If if we had a, a client in our office that was, that was uh, ex- expressing difficulty specifically around this issue, one of the other things, in addition to having all these other pieces in place, because they are critical, is really asking, you know, what is, you know, what, wh- first of all, what is the, when I say this, what do you feel like is behind that hyper arousal, right? In other words, not just, not just this idea of obviously you're comparing, you know, other women to yourself and there's that dynamic going on, but why, what is that doing for you, right? What, what level of safety is that, try- is, is your brain trying to meet uh, with that? Oftentimes, you know, when we're in trauma like this, it, it makes sense. We we enter into that competitive stage with where we where spouses will unfortunately try to compete, right, with a partner's triggers or, you know, acting out partners or whatever the case may be. And the reality is, is that as we've talked about oftentimes on the program, because of the nature of sexual compulsion and because of how fantasy works in the brain and lust and all the other things that we address is that you will never be able to compete with his fantasy-based thinking. Um, nor should you. 
because he, when he's engaging with his, his addiction, he's engaging with an illusion. And that applies whether the partners are real or fake for a variety of reasons, okay? Synthetic or, and, and virtual versus actually present. Um, reality or relationships that are based in the virtual world, uh, again, virtually online via pornography or, or things like that, or even with another person in a fair-based dynamic are always based in a fantasy because they don't take into account all of the other elements of a relationship that make a relationship a relationship or make connection real connection. And 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 no one will ever compare in 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 a healthy way to those things. And so shifting shifting out of a headspace of trying to find safety through superiority over those or trying to control his responses or what he views or what he sees over to a place of holding internal boundaries, right, with oneself. And developing out a support system that builds up one's own one's own internal adequacy while letting go of his choices and what his addiction is choosing is is critical here. There's a lot of other pieces to this, and we may even need to address some of this, some more of this on another podcast another yeah. time. But but, but yeah, with a, a spouse, you know, just getting all of this outside support so you can you can attend to your own mental, emotional, and physical health yes. and well-being. Understanding how obsessive thoughts work, learning how to shift mm -hmm. in the moment, how to develop your own internal self-confidence and worth, regardless of where he's at or not, right? All of those are very important internal mechanisms, you know, rather than trying to find safety by controlling him. Yes. And absolutely. then finally, as we finish up, <clears throat> if we talk about their side of the street, in other words, as a couple, um, one of the things that comes to me, and this is a very advanced concept, and we know, as we say it on this podcast, it's no easy thing that we're stating, but this concept of, are we best friends standing side by side facing a common enemy? The common enemy being his, you know, previous or current struggles with scanning and all the things that go along with that and her being pulled into that obsessive, you know, thinking pattern as well. That's the common enemy that you face together side by side as a couple. Yeah. And can you look at that together? Right. That's their side of the street. You know, yep. you, you brought up before we started today, Steve, you know, let's, let's say that uh, you're, you're, you're at the mall, you know, you're pulling up to the mall mm -hmm. and if anyone that, shops at the mall anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say, yeah, or, or the, you know, the public swimming pool or the wherever yep. it is, it's very difficult for you. First of all, we hope that the guy in this situation, that he has a plan already in place for going to that public space and that he shared that plan with his partner in advance. Here's what I'm going to do so we can both be safe. But let's say that this is also in the moment. Let's say you get there and you as a spouse or partner, let's say you're having a really bad day. You're really mm. vulnerable. You're really fragile. Can you look at your partner, this guy in recovery, and say, hey, you know what? Man, going into this public space right now, I'm really feeling fragile. I'm feeling these obsessive thoughts. And can he, in that moment, get on her side and reassure her and come up with a plan in that moment? How are we going to navigate this together? How are we going to collaborate together in this moment so that we can stay unified? Yeah, so I can meet your needs, right? That's yeah. that's the friends being on the same side facing a common enemy. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. You know, rebuilding trust in a dynamic like this is so difficult. And for us, for you spouses, we really do, again, connect with the difficulty here is, you know, there's this tremendous amount of fear and I probably even say terror and and almost a paralyzing inability to be able to trust. Can he choose you again? Mm. And and that openness to the process on your end as he trust but verify, right? But as he makes those steps to make changes, to be able to show up, to be able to choose you again. Um, I mean, there's a whole whole side of this that we haven't even talked about today, uh, to be honest, with with regard to, you know, the the inter interspouse kind of dynamic, and we'll have to address that another time. But um we 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 really do honor and appreciate each spouse who finds themselves in an all too familiar situation like this. Um, and appreciate you taking time with us on the podcast. We're already way over time, mostly due to me. So uh, apologize for that. If we love hearing from you and we love getting new questions, please do. If you have a question you would like addressed on the podcast, you can uh, forward that to us. There's a contact form at pbscpodcast.com. And again, please, if you enjoy the content that you are, are hearing here on this podcast, I mean, there's just no other way to say it. There is no better financial recovery based bang for your buck option that we are aware of on planet earth than the program that we have created and provide. So please come give us a check at, over at dare to connect now.com. We'd love to have you give that trial a, a, a go and, and, and welcome you into the family. So, All right, everybody. We'll uh, see you next time on PBSC. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.